0: Welcome to Your Making It Worse I'm Elliot Glazer I'm Brent Sullivan And I'm H. Alan
1: Scott We're here, we're queer Mm. Meh Sexual healing.
2: I do. I do feel strongly about starting this podcast on something of a somber note. Uh-oh. Um, you know, we Little found Richard? Out, we found out this week that we lost a legend, Little Richard, mm-hmm. and the news hit us all hard, but especially Elliot. Mm, um, yes, yes, lots of people don't know that Elliot emulated almost everything in his life after what he called <laughs> Uncle Little Richard. Mm, sweet from his. Wild dance moves to his pencil-thin mustache. Mm. One of the preeminent moments of Elliot's life was in fifth grade when he found out the song Tutti Frutti was, in fact, about eating ass. From that moment on, Elliot was transfixed. Suddenly, he had an anthem, a reason to live. (laughs) At first, Elliot would spend a few hours each weekend dancing to Tutti Frutti, but before long, his weekends became... 56 hours of consecutive dancing. On Friday afternoon, he would eat two or three steaks in a sitting, enough to hold him through the weekend, and he'd take several doses of amphetamine so he wouldn't have to sleep. His absence leaves a hole in our hearts, especially Elliot's. So, this podcast, of course, will be. That's right
1: is in the arms of an angel <laughs> you, you couldn't find tutti frutti for this i couldn't know they didn't <laughs> Spotify, couldn't Spotify
0: wasn't picking it up we only have 10
1: seconds worth there we go oh
0: my god is tutti frutti really about eating ass well you told me that but i don't know if it's no true.
1: i don't think it is actually I'm I'm sure my sister true. told me that and i don't think <laughs> yeah. it's
0: true
2: I remember being at a party with you once, and just out of the blue, you were like, "You know, Tootie Fruity's about eating ass."
1: <laughs> and I just thought, I was like, "Wait, wait, wait!" I can remember, I can, kn- I know exactly how Elliot probably was at the party where he would randomly be like, "Did you know that Tootie Fruity mm-hmm. was about <laughs> eating ass?" Yeah. Oh my god! Exactly. Like he would like touch yeah. his face, yeah. shocked expression. Right, yeah. right. That's exactly. Or I think, yeah, no, he yeah, would do the hot here. thing. He's like, "I'm hot, Tootie Fruity. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hot."
0: <laughs> 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 oh, God, poor little Richard really, truly was like, yeah, by the very, way, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not no, demeaning little Richard. He's obviously He just was like this b- bizarre, like we always said on Broad City that he was a bisexual alien. Yeah, but he was like what a what a bizarre human to. Yeah, yeah, to he, like, he was. He was like a punk almost. This he never like, came out, did he? No, he did. Oh, he, he did. Would go. He would go in and he would come out and then go back in. It was so weird. Well, oh. privilege.
1: Yeah. What privilege? Yeah, okay. right. Right. <laughs> well, um, should we hey, talk big, about big the big lesbian bars? I want to talk yeah. about
0: lesbian bars. Well, yes. As you guys know, this is very important to me. I always want to talk about lesbian bars. That's correct. Um, All my, four of them. <laughs> well, the idea yeah. is that, you know, this article came out about how, maybe by surprise, Corona has actually become the sort of final threat, the final, you know, um, yeah. nail in the coffin of, of lesbian bars. The idea of, you know, we've always talked about how with guests, too, that les- there are so many fewer lesbian bars than bars for basically for gay men. Right. Um, right. And how there it's just there's this dearth of them. And it's it wasn't historically always that way. Um, and they're basically saying that because of obviously because of Corona you know, forcing businesses to shut down. Um, You know, the idea is that the lesbian bars really are going to potentially just not really exist if there's systematic difficulty that women have to face in acquiring financial support. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this woman Pr- Pamela Prince Eason, which sounds like a name Brent made up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's the president and CEO of the Women's Business Enterprise National Council. <clears> throat> she throat> said women owned businesses often get less than male owned businesses, which is yeah. which makes sense at, in this world. But four percent of venture capital goes to women, um, yeah. and that uh, they interviewed a bunch of bar owners too that said they were unable to apply for assistance through the on- online application. Mm-hmm. It's just it just sucks, you know. It's like yeah. You just could never have guessed that <laughs> that this 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 you know this niche um, minority need for a space for gay women was going to be devastated by, well, all things, a pandemic.
1: I want to back up a little bit on something you said, where, when you said it historically wasn't the case, the numbers on tracking the history of gay bars in the United States are very, very, very murky, because what constituted a gay bar in many situations was if they had a cabaret license or not, or if they had a performance element to it that was somehow drag, even though it wasn't Mm. technically considered a gay bar, it was a performance bar, and like they had to get around codes and stuff, city codes, back in the day, so I have a feeling that lesbian bars, authentic lesbian bars have been always few and far between for financial reasons and because of the patriarchy. Um, So I don't think there was ever like, a massive
0: amount. No, no, no. But like, obviously we've yeah. just seen this downward slope. Yes, of uh, course. My of understanding
2: course. of, my understanding of gay bars is like technically for something to be registered a gay bar, Elliot has to have been
1: inside. <laughs> <laughs> and, and had so to have sat on something in the bathroom at least twice. He, ha- he had at to have on some kind of, yeah, uh, even the doorknob, the doorknobs will work. The, uh, the doorknob will work. <laughs> Yeah. But that yeah. means
0: there's only, there's only six or 700 gay bars. In yeah. Country. Yeah. It said that uh, apparently, that you know, it says that gay bars. The number of gay bars peaked in the late '80s. Um, for lesbian for, for lesbian bars in particular, there were two hundred across the country, and right. now they count sixteen. It's insane. I mean, isn't that insane? Yeah, it is insane, and it, it's.
1: I mean, but you also have to like. I think recognize too that you know, yes, it's insane that there aren't more lesbian bars in this country, but also being impacted by the coronavirus pandemic is small town queer spaces in yeah. general across the board, sure. you know, I mean, here in Los Angeles or in New York or Chicago or any of the urban cities, there are, those bars are hurting. Yes, they're undoubtedly hurting and they, we should support them. But the bar in sort of a random college town outside of small villes, Kansas mm-hmm. is the, the out bar back. in Ann Arbor? Is definitely going to be hurting. You know, they're definitely yeah. going to be struggling more than some WeHo bar, some Chelsea bar, whatever. Um, and so it is, there is a real crisis within the queer community in general, a financial crisis within the queer community in general. Also, if you think about it, like, queer people across the board tend to focus more on gig op- gig opportunity jobs. You know, they're yeah. often... Especially within the arts and the nightlife industry, you know, there's a lot of queer people in those spaces who are dependent on the tips and the money that come from these queer bars and spaces that exist, and they're not getting any so, resources right now?
2: This is something I was going to add, though. And this is a phenomenon I've noticed. I, I still hold the out bar very near and dear to my heart. It is uh, the gay bar in my hometown. Is, is the Necto still open? and Necto still open. Out bar A, U with an umlaut above it with a oh, T. Right. Umlaut, <laughs> <bar>, umlaut. <laughs> but I have noticed for easily a decade now, the percentage of people in that bar has decreased mm. almost year over year. And... For a while, I've been, I've just wondered, like, is it a reflection of dating apps? Is it that people just don't go to bars as much, um, uh, gay bars yeah, as much, or, or could it That's be a reflection guess. of Ann Arbor's a progressive town? Um, I had friends in college that didn't feel the need to go to a gay bar. They would just go to bars in town to meet people, and they did. And perhaps now, 15 years removed from that, it's even more, it's even, you know, even more safe and common for people to just go to regular bars. Mm-hmm. So even though I don't know, I guess I'm I'm wondering. Well, we've talked as, aside from the the, the pandemic of of I'm just wondering, is it like sort of a a general trend that gay bars are sort of quote on the outs? Um,
0: I mean, I, fi- I I mean Alan, maybe you know better than I do, but I, I feel like that that's the, that's prob- that could be the case. But I know like when we've talked to like gay women on the show, they've always said. Mm-hmm you know, I think from like Fortune, I think Mo Welch said it too, or that the idea is like that it, it's, it's, um it, it's not about necessarily going out. It's about finding a queer space. Yeah.
1: You know?
0: I and mean, ultimately, it, you know, let, you know, gay women will vacillate more or not vacillate, but will you know, be more into a, mm-hmm. a relationship and not even settling down but just being more domestic you know well I, I also think prepare. that there's there's a there's a in terms of the
1: makeup of a queer of queer spaces in general and if you, if you are looking at sort of a lesbian bar versus a gay bar for example um and this is you could go down a really slippery slope of an argument of why these things happen at this bar not this bar but in terms of of creating revenue for a bar. Oftentimes gay bars utilize nightlife performers, drag Queens, et cetera, to come and do performances, which bring people into a bar. And those performances don't exist in a lot of sort of straight, more general spaces. And so that brings revenue into the bar or they watch RuPaul's drag race or whatever it is. And it brings a lot of cash into the bar. Whereas lesbian bars specifically across the board, aren't necessarily promoting a drag night or, uh, necessarily, a you know, anything that would typically happen in a sort of a gay male bar, if you will. And so even that the financial infrastructure of how these bars retain revenue is different and how these bars work. And so like, I think there's a lot of factors that go into why lesbian bars don't, don't work. I think the biggest factor is the patriarchy and sexism. I really do think that. Um, But I also think that there is somewhat of a trajectory of like, if, the more sort of normalization that happens within queer spaces and queer people within society, like Brent was saying, within the apps and just in general in society and the less of a need of going to a queer space, the people who are impacted are the people who depend on that queer space for their artwork and for their, for their livelihood and what they do in terms of their work. You know, the nightlife people, the drag performers, the people who are bartenders, et cetera, that's their work. And there's no like fallback space for them because the straight bars don't want the drag show or the gay bartender necessarily. And so where do they go? You know what I mean? There's this, there's a whole sort of trickle down that happens. That is, is really scary. Well, shadow economy, so to speak.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going
0: to say, apparently like, you know, obviously this, the federal stimulus was meant to help these like small businesses, the mom and pop stores, but um, the, in the article, they said that almost $244 million worth of payroll loans went to publicly traded companies, yeah. which and obviously, much, yeah. yeah which right. And they ran
1: out they ran out of money. Um, so like that, that initial amount of money from the federal government ran out. And you have a lot of businesses, smaller businesses, that that money was intended for, oftentimes female-led businesses. You're talking salons, hair shops, nail salons, you know, these uh, flower shops, et cetera, these really small businesses <laughs> that provide very sort of, focused services weren't getting the funding from the federal government and they're the ones hurting most but yet you have these massive companies like i mean shake shack gave that gave back their money but they got money
0: from this and it's like Mm. shake shack doesn't need money right Uh, did you know ted cruz flew to flew to another city in in texas to get a haircut to like prove a point Wait what? <laughs> yeah, Ted Cruz like flew to a different city in Texas to get a haircut at a at a salon to like prove a to prove a point. I guess that it's all a myth. I don't know if it's. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, if it's all a myth. But the idea of like, you know what? Like the economy doesn't stop just because of this. Ted Cruz has Oof. that like that really like.
1: I mean, I'm gonna say it, he's ugly. He's fucking ugly. I mean, he's one of those like, you know, when he when he's when he's on top of you and he's fucking you, his face kind of sags forward and he's all red and squishy and movie. But then but the way he speaks, he has such he's such a good debater. He's so good at speaking that it's like he is really the personification of it doesn't matter what you look like. Like, <laughs> like yeah. cause, cause if it did, he wouldn't get anywhere.
2: Well, oh, you, so I guess gross. you learn something every day. And I just learned that Alan got fucked by Ted Cruz. Yep. <laughs>
1: yep. Yep. Come at me, Ted.
2: Not even joking. You know, uh, I, I have a friend who's, who's uh, talked about how uh, zooming and, and video conferencing, she finds incredibly invasive. And it stresses her out, like, to a significant degree. Where like, feeling like, you're, she like does people
3: can see where you live and yeah. stuff? Yeah. Yeah.
2: She, yeah. Oh, that, wow. That, like, she said she had to, like, uh, she had to Zoom with her boss, and he didn't give her, like, warning, and she was kind of mad, like, about it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, I can't oh. <laughs> I think it's,
2: I see, get that. Because
1: to me, to— I think, ahead, sorry. I, think, I think she probably just needs an van or something. Yeah, probably. You know what I mean? Just I calm know. down. You know, you know, like, people are really weird and specific
2: about their places. I've I've always yeah. talked about how, like, my mom has that pool party once a year. She has a pool party every year. She invites, like, 30 different neighbors, and it takes the her— they don't they, The pool they don't swim in. The pool they don't swim in. It takes her 10 days to get the house ready. To the point where <laughs> if I call in that 10-day preceding window, she will literally get off the phone faster than <laughs> usual. <laughs> You're like I can't mm. I can't talk right now. I have to get the house ready. <laughs> and it's you're just like, What are you doing? Like what is it? Like, how many magazines do you have to shuffle? <laughs> and it's just about, like, every 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 nook and cranny means so much to some people, and I couldn't care less what my place looks like. For
1: a second, I was like, is this how you wanted to
0: start, Brent? Is this how we're starting? <laughs> hey,
1: why not? <laughs> I mean,
2: <laughs>
0: we're, we're saying Lauren Lapkus has a beautiful home. Yeah, we yeah
1: Lauren Lapkus has a... I think we're going to start like
0: that. Why not? Nice. Why not?
1: I'll I mean, it's that. great. Yeah, I mean, I was going to do a big introduction for you, Lauren, but I think this is the most appropriate way. You have That's a beautiful all... home. You have, you have a nice little, like, Knickknack corner on the wall there that looks like a home, but I have a feeling hopefully is filled with precious moments figurines. Yeah, what's in oh there? Oh my God.
3: Okay, so yeah, I have this vintage, like house shaped wooden shelf on the wall mm-hmm. that my friend got me. And I have looks a lot looks like of a dip mi- Yes, I have a lot of um, miniatures that I've been collecting forever like my whole life and I always wanted a place to store them and I started collecting these little dolls that are called Sunny Angel Dolls which are like the main thing you Mm. see in those boxes and Mm. they are these blind boxes that you get and they have like this little angel character and then when they all have different heads like they have either like an apple on their head or like an animal like they're all just different types of things Right. and you find them in the weirdest stores (laughs) and so my husband and I have a rule that we can only find them only buy them if we like come across them in a store you can't order them online I love that rule Yeah,
0: I've always loved I don't, I, I've always loved, um, I don't collect them, but I loved ornaments. I love things that are, like, ornament-sized. Mm-hmm. Yes. And <laughs> I have, like, some rather, like, bigger tattoos. But we have our, our friend David Smithyman, who's been on this podcast. Uh, he's a comedy writer. He's always ca- gathered, or his, he had, gets tattoos that feel like ornaments. Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, getting them in the real world, he gets all differently styled, like, s- stuff across Mm. his arms and his body. And I'm like, that is a cool way of, like, collecting. Because he'll 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 be the first to tell you, like, they don't mean anything to him necessarily. They're all just kind of, like, fun and weird and goofy or silly or whatever. I love that. Yeah. Do you have any tattoos?
3: No, I don't. I don't have any. Do you want any? No. Like, I've never really wanted any. And it was always kind of a thing that, like, my mom was like, you can't get a tattoo ever. Yeah, mine too. So it was like so built in my head that I just never would. And then now that I'm an adult, I'm like more like, oh, I guess maybe I could, but I don't know what it would be. And now my husband has a bunch of tattoos, and that's part of it where I'm like, they look so cool. I just think, and you kind of, they don't, they're not as like, I don't know, they don't take over a yeah. person as much as you think they would. Yeah, you used to be for,
2: like, pirates and I, Vikings. I, now I was, like. was going to say, my mom is very wonderful woman, very opinionated, and one of the things she does not approve of is tattoos. <laughs> and I didn't realize that uh, I, like, had sort of embodied that belief into college. And I remember once being at I'm so embarrassed to say this, but it's so ridiculous that I'm I'm gonna allow myself to tell the story. I was telling someone that I thought it was inappropriate for teachers to have tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) I was telling a teacher who had tattoos. Oh my and she she looked at me and she's like, You're kidding, right? And the moment she said that, I'm like, I have to be kidding because that's insane. Yeah.
3: Unless the tattoo's wow. like,
2: like Elliot has a tattoo of a bone or jizzing into his mouth. But, <laughs> no, I don't. Um, <laughs> jizzing ah. into his butt. But um, no. but of course that's insane. Why would that be inappropriate? But I, I had, until that moment, never questioned, you know, my yeah. I think I think
3: if you're going to
1: have tattoos, like if anyone in the world is the ambassador for having tattoos, it's Dolly Parton. She has a full sleeve. Yes. I mean, and so, yes yeah, she, she hides
3: does. them she hides so she them wears long sleeves and stuff yeah yeah
1: but she has a full sleeve of tattoos and i think if you're gonna like if, you, if you've never had a tattoo and you you get to like your 30s and you're like okay it, it's time for a tattoo you can't get that fucking tiny butterfly somewhere like on right. your ankle or something
0: you gotta get <laughs> right. a sleeve you gotta right. get something good why do we think i mean lauren why do you why would why would why do you think Dolly Parton hides her tattoos? Because she's Dolly do you Parton. Think,
3: I mean, yeah. Do you think it's like an image thing with like maybe yeah. some of her fan base would yes. think that was weird? Then why percent. get them? Well, yeah. because she likes them. She's, Let she's her have her she life. Is But maybe she maybe it's nice to hide them because she has like some privacy. Like she's so public in all these ways. And like then to have this but then thing on show.
0: But then why not get them on places... Like she will she has to wear sleeves all the literally all the time unless she wants to reveal her secret. Why not get it on like her legs or something? Well what about like
3: Diane Keaton who's always wearing like head to toe coverings and probably doesn't have tattoos? (laughs) Like that seems like work too. Yeah, yeah but you know
1: what let, let them live She's their lives talks. you know what I mean I respect it I love that Dolly Parton has this little secret that we're all in on but yeah. like we're not supposed to know but she doesn't care that we know you know what I mean it's nice it's I like still, I have a relationship with Dolly Alan, I'm sure you're familiar with this I still remember
2: Diane Keaton like went swimming at the beach mm-hmm. years ago and she wore this head-to-toe like black yep. trench coat or something as no, like was her that. swimming
1: suit it was so surreal it's the best, it's all, I, I say this all the time. I hate swimming. I hate the beach. I just want to live in a Starbucks at the beach. Like I don't like yeah. the beach, but <laughs> right. if I have to get into the water, I want to be covered head to toe. Like those wool swimsuits from the 1920s, yeah. I'm dying for. Mm.
3: That's hilarious. You know? Well, I kind yeah. of appreciated how like women's bathing suits were becoming those really high-waisted yeah, style came so normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's nice. Because mm-hmm. like, sometimes I, they cut you off like at your vagina. Like you have like everything as exposed. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, doesn't yeah. it
0: feel like Um, I mean, I feel like especially in the 2000s noticing like it, for women, they were it was so um, normal for women to wear like low rise jeans mm. that were you could just barely see the lips. Oh my god, yeah. I know, I know, <laughs> and that the, was crazy. The what pressure? low rise
3: is like this thick, like your it's like from your crotch to the top of the button is like two inches. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. such an
0: odd. Did you did you go through that phase? Yes, I, mean. I was
3: always doing that, like midriff bare, like and I'm tall yeah. too, so I have like a long body, and so my shirts were too short and my pants were too low, and it's not flattering. It wasn't like mm. cute. I, yeah,
0: it's, it's Well, it's, but just it's strangely, yeah, it strangely felt like it was not flattering because it captured the widest part of your hips bless you for
1: having the body to be able to do that though my god i was always in layers i've been in layers since i was like three months Mm. (laughs) (laughs) i can't wait lauren well so we have to talk a little bit about you because you're our guest today
0: podcast queen this isn't this isn't your (laughs)
1: podcast where like you're the guest or no you're the (laughs) host wait your your podcast (laughs) is your you you're the guest and you're a character yes the the guest is the host yes yeah
3: yeah. yeah. my podcast with special guest Lauren Lapkus it's an improv podcast so the guest is the host and I'm the guest so they decide what the show is going to be and they name they name me as a character and they give me any sort of traits they want to give me and then we just improvise this fake show
1: what's the weirdest one you've done you think
3: Um, One of the weird ones, I think, well, I mean, they're all really weird, but one was um, with Joe Wangert, who's like a hilarious UCB improviser and TV writer, and he had us just be window salesmen who were brothers, and all we did was talk about (laughs) windows for an hour. Like, it was, I don't even know how it happened. It was very weird. Oh, I love Joe. (laughs) He's so funny. Uh,
0: How did you, like, you're also, now your newest podcast is with Nicole Byer, right? Yeah, it's called
3: Newcomers, Yeah.
0: (laughs) You guys are watching Star Wars for the first time.
3: Yeah. So we both managed to never see Star Wars for our entire lives. And then now we've actually seen all of the main movies now and and more stuff. And we've written our own fan fiction. So every episode we have on like a guest who cares about Star Wars to kind of balance it out and and give us some backstory on why we should care and whatever. So it's been really fun, but also like the movies are so long. Oh my God! They just look boring to yeah. me. Like I think I just like didn't want to watch. Like I, it's yeah. so not my genre. I'm, I'm,
0: I totally am with you. Yeah. Really? Wow. And do you? I mean, I, I, saw, I saw the I saw them, Lauren. But I am totally with you. Where like, I mean, for me, it's like I couldn't give a shit about Lord of the Rings. Like. I, it's just not. The, there's certain stuff that I'm like. I have no Game of Thrones. Yeah, same. I, I, yeah.
2: I, it's it's it totally struck my fancy to the point where you know that scene in one of the Star Wars with that big sand pit and like all these. I think it's job of the hut, is there? And all these bad guys are getting punched in the sandpit. Yeah. I still do that when I'm like um, doing the dishes, and like some olive falls off my plate into my like garbage disposal. I pretend it's like the sandpit and then I grind it up. Wow. And like it's just like it's just <laughs> wait, so wait, apart. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I gotta I gotta say,
1: I gotta break down everything Brent just said because first off, he said it strikes my fancy. <laughs> which, <laughs> which made me so happy. And then also mm. How often are you eating olives
0: that are falling (laughs) off your
2: plate? I eat olives every day. (laughs) Do you really? Olives are my go-to snack because I, I love olives. I and they're low-calorie, so I Oh eat my olives. god,
1: they're low-calorie! I,
2: I, I go through a container of green olives probably once every ten days. Wow.
3: That seems like a lot of olives. It but does. I, I, I,
2: to take all the attention off of me, for once, uh, I'm surprised to hear that. I feel like Star Wars is like right up to most kids' alleys.
1: Well, I didn't care about Star Wars. I have to admit, I didn't, as a kid, I did not care about Star Wars. As an adult, I got more into it, and then when we got season passes to Disneyland, I became more of a fan of Star Wars, I will admit, because of the the Star Wars area at Disneyland yeah yeah yeah.
3: I mean I I guess you know like I know my brother and my dad have seen these movies but it was not like they were so obsessed that I had to go or that like it was talked about like it was just I just didn't really get any of it at all in my house so like I feel like I grew up with like the basic knowledge of everything that has like bled into culture of like Yoda right. and whatever. Like I'm like Darth Vader. I get it. Right. But right. and I and I'm in doing improv. Like all of these improv guys know this stuff oh, like the back of their it. hand. Yeah, so right, like I've course. been hearing it forever. And also just being like proud of not knowing about it. So it kind of yeah. became like I'm never gonna see that.
0: How do you feel no. about it now? Are you a fan or you're, or still passively? This is
3: what's so crazy. <laughs> is like I kind of am a fan, but it's like I I feel crazy about it because I, I I'm like referencing it randomly which is really weird for me and then also like i think fans of star wars hate star wars like they will shit on every movie so hard they're so like critical of them and i feel the same way like i hate certain things about it i love certain things about it so i kind of feel like i've become like a genuine star wars fan now do you i have
1: i have a star wars question for you because if the okay so there's the first ones that came out which are technically the third fourth and
3: Fourth, fifth, and Four, sixth. Six. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, you. I'm sad, Thank you. I know. I'm and sad. So,
1: <laughs> the the ones that came out in the early aughts with Natalie Portman are the first, second, and third. And those are like almost universally panned. Like people hate right. them. However, right. Michael and I actually, those are our, some of our favorites. Like, hating Christensen. Them. It's because of hating Christensen. No, it's no, not. Are. It's not. It's because of Natalie.
3: Oh, and Rose Byrne,
1: and Rose Byrne right. as well. She's secretly in it. Yeah, I know. What? Well,
3: um, Nicole loves Jar Jar Binks controversially. No. What? So, wow. I do too. Like, I do too. He's the best character. So, yeah. wow. we, have, we have opinions that people hate as well. Um, and I, I like the <laughs> latest one. I was like, I like oh. that. That was fun. I liked that
1: one too. I liked
2: it. Too. I saw it last night for the first time. You did? What'd you know? Oh. I saw it number nine. I liked it. I, but my boyfriend, like, was very mixed about it. Really? But the yeah. one with Daisy
1: Ridley? Um, I don't know who that is, but yeah,
3: she's I mean, the actress.
1: Yes. She's 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 the actress in it. I I love the whole epic fight between them and him becoming like. I mean, spoiler alert! But get with. 2020, Like <laughs> him becoming like a good guy and like helping her out. Mm. And like, I loved all of the dynamics and I was crying. I, why am I crying? I know. Why I cried did? too. It's, yeah. Uh, music, music just always does that for
2: me. Well, and the,
3: the Adam driver, is that his name? Yeah. Adam driver yeah. character. Mm-hmm. And with her, like they had such sexual tension. That was like mm-hmm. so crazy. So, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what Nicole and I are looking for in every movie. We're like, someone has to kiss or feel like they're about to kiss sure. at some point, or we can't pay attention. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember
0: um, as a kid like god I don't this is I shouldn't even say this is embarrassing but I can't even figure out how to put it into words but there was something about like C3PO <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: when I was he was hot. that I I I, oh, I my <laughs> God, You want to read some of my... You should
3: read, like, the porn that Nicole and I wrote about CP3. We've written, like...
0: Wait, it's the gold machine, the robot, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was, like, between him and then... I don't know how to describe this, but what I'm trying to say is, like... You got a boner for CP3? Oh, my God. Wait, have you seen his
3: boner? There's a car... There's a trading card with his boner. (laughs) No. And it's crazy. I'm going to pull it up while we're talking. Wait, Ellie, we have
0: to hear... Wait, we have to hear... I'm just saying that there was something... I remember as a kid feeling something, like... Something, some feeling in mean, your about stomach. C3PO and also Light of the Navigator. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, okay, wait, These, these me sort see. of. Oh wow! Jesus. Yeah, will you will you message me that? Yeah. I need that. I need <laughs> that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, wow. I was attracted to saying there was no, something no. about
0: machinery. I, I I don't know how to describe it, but it was like machinery <laughs> that had its own like that that was like human yeah i just felt some sort of like warmth toward it no i, don't I know. think i get it oh, yes.
3: but see when i was a kid i yes. had a crush on like kermit the frog and michelangelo <laughs> the turtle it's like yeah. and i met oh, i've yeah, met other Raphael. people yeah oh yeah okay so you had you liked Raphael. i liked yes. michelangelo because he was the party dude and like yeah. ate yeah. pizza mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Raphael was sarcastic <laughs> and witty <laughs> well, see
1: i i always wanted to be april i wanted to be <laughs> oh, april yeah. oh yeah and sure. in a weird way my drag character has kind of become april in a <laughs> strange way mm-hmm. i never thought about that no
2: yeah, we've <laughs> She talked on the podcast about uh, animated figures that we were attracted to as kids. Yeah. So I, I, I'm teasing you a little bit, Elliot, but I, I, it doesn't surprise me that Elliot was the eight-year-old who was rubbing his boner while <laughs> wait, watching not, Star wait, Wars happening. because of 3
1: p.m. Lauren, I have, I have to ask you about another popular franchise that yeah. you actually in, mm-hmm. which, which really excited me, the Jurassic World Wow. Yes, which,
3: so. which which one again exactly? Were you, I was I, in I, the I first Jurassic World movie, so like the fourth movie yeah. in the series or whatever.
1: And most of your stuff was like improv, fourth. right?
3: Um, yeah, most of it was like I we the the director Colin Trevorrow, uh had directed Jake Johnson in an indie movie prior to Jurassic World, and so they had like a friendship. And he which was movie. It was called Safety Not Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he um, was really open to us, like doing improv as these characters in the control room. So he let us go a lot. Like I mean, it was really cool in this like big crazy movie to get to sit there yeah, and just like mess say, around. I
1: loved that movie. I love Jurassic Park. I love anything Jurassic Park. I loved that. My favorite is that what's her name, Bryce Dallas Howard, was able to like do everything and stay in heels during, like she's, she's running away from dinosaurs
3: she's running in heels. in heels. She's amazing. And she has like an amazing talent that I love so much where she can cry like with mm-hmm. whatever eye you say. Yeah. <laughs> like you're
1: just like left <laughs> eye and she's like, sh- wow. Were you, I mean, I don't remember exactly, but, I don't believe you were eaten by a, by a dinosaur.
3: No, were I you survived. disappointed?
1: Were
2: you disappointed? Um, I, I, I had the same question. I was going to ask the same question.
3: On yeah. one hand, I am a little disappointed because I think it's so crazy to get to be eaten by a dinosaur. Yeah. And, the, and the kills in that movie are so insane that like yeah. it's so funny. Like the one where the babysitter gets killed by like 10 oh different God. dinosaurs, basically. It is the so best. Awesome
1: like 10, five minutes in film of the past 10 years.
3: It's so crazy. Like every time you think it's done, like something else happens. Um, but I was happy to survive, but then because my character hasn't come back in another film, I'm like, well, I'd be happy to be killed off at some point. If they want to bring me back to like have me eaten by a dinosaur, I'd love (laughs) Ah. to do it. So just in the first five minutes or something, it sounds great. Where did
0: you shoot that?
3: Um, we shot it in New Orleans for my part. Oh, wow. Um, the, I think oh, wow. the rest was in Hawaii. I, we, I guess I got to go to no. Hawaii for a little bit of it. Well, I'm outside with Irfan Khan um, and the helicopter pad mm-hmm. um, before mm-hmm. he takes off. But Did well,
2: you have I to mean, get in a helicopter? Did you have to get I in? didn't
3: have to, no. Thank God. Yeah, I just yeah. had to watch Death it take traps. off. I'm, I'm very traps. scared of helicopters. I don't like them either.
1: Don't like them either. No, air oh. balloons and helicopters. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. No, uh, okay. no but the other big thing before Jurassic before Jurassic World was Orange is the New Black.
3: Yeah, yeah. And that
1: was that was your big claim to fame. And yes. I loved you in Orange is the New Black. I loved I loved I loved those first few seasons of Orange is the New Black because it was so like
0: women running television. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah,
3: it was very People cool. Get
0: that it was very it was like huge and like a huge like you know, um, movement in the streaming world, but also like seeing all all women cast for the most part was, it was pretty unprecedented for that moment.
3: Yeah. And I think being on set with that many women is like a total, I haven't had that experience again. I mean, it was so cool to Mm -hmm. be working. I was like number, you know, 60 on the call sheet or something. It was like, there's so many characters in the show and and like 90% (laughs) of them are women. It was amazing.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it was it. it was definitely a, a groundbreaking show.
3: Yeah, and I mean, when I got cast on it, obviously there were no other Netflix shows yet. It was like one of the first shows, so House of Cards hadn't even come out when I got the audition. So there was like wow. no idea of like, oh, it's going to be a show on Netflix. Like it didn't mean mm-hmm. anything. So for it to actually be successful is cool.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was, was kind of, it was. And then from that, you have like, I was, I was just doing some research just to like, because I mean, I know you from comedy stuff, but like, I didn't think you would have the same amount of credits as Meryl Streep. (laughs) (laughs) Like you've, you've only really been doing stuff for like the past 10 years and you have 90 credits on IMDb, like big, big bang theory, baby. (laughs) You are so fucking busy. Like, how is that Mm -hmm. even possible?
3: I don't know. I, I, I try to stay very busy and I'm very grateful that I've gotten to do that stuff. I mean, with big bang theory, that was so random to me because that show was on for like, 11 seasons before I joined and I you know it's one of those things when a show's been on so long you're like I don't think I'll ever get an audition for that I've never gotten an audition for that the whole time and yeah mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like that's happening and then I, I got offered that role which was supposed to be like a one time thing I think and then I ended up doing like a um, bunch of episodes which was really fun because that show is like iconic honestly like being on the set there and watching the audiences who have, are people who've been like waiting to come to this show for like their for like years probably yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it is crazy to witness that, like a, a multicam that's been on for like twelve years, and the people that are yeah. it's,
2: it's kind of doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, uh, is is you know a show that has that kind of following multicam, which is you know what for people who aren't in the biz, yeah. sort of old school <laughs> sitcoms, uh, and so yeah, it's 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 sort of a bygone
0: era. Was, yeah, was it like odd? Was it um, like was being on that set for work? were people like over it or was there like a level of like gratitude for it being this sort of stalwart show and so consistent and, you know, rock back constantly was I'm just curious was there like a, a vibe on set
3: yeah I think the vibe for me as like someone coming into it who didn't know anyone you know like I feel like in that type of situation I tend to like stay to myself unless someone wants to talk to me I don't want to like you know they've been doing it forever they don't need me to be like so how's your day, All the yeah, day. Right. <laughs> um, but everyone was really nice and like open to like new people coming in and if I think there was definitely the air of like they know how this goes they have like these dressing rooms that are decked out, like they live there, you know, these are, this is a yeah. show you've been on for like a good portion of your adult life at that point. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to comprehend from the outside. Like, I mean, everyone was super nice and I never got like any like glimpses into like, you know, the <laughs> <Right>. negative <laughs> underworld of it. But like- Whoa who knows? I mean, I'm so,
1: I'm, I'm so like dumb money driven that like literally for me, if I was on a show like that, I would be like, who gives a fuck? This is residual heaven. I'm going to be, this is paying for three houses for 40 years from now. Yeah.
3: Fully. I mean, I think that's like something that you can't take for granted when you're in that kind of position. Like, that the show is on all the time like yeah, and, see, it, and think, they've been doing it for years yeah
0: I think I honestly think like secretly Mayim Bialik is the richest person in the world
3: she probably <laughs> is and she's like, like the, she owns like, her <laughs> island she's like the most like like humble person and yeah, like, it seems you know like it. She, she mentioned to me offhand like she said she cleans her own house and I was like I love that like that's just like great like yeah. you definitely don't have to and I like I that feel like, I
0: feel like I feel like she also like breastfed her yes. kid until she was like five or something like, no she <laughs> would I remember she like, got in like she got not i don't know if she got in trouble but like it was a big deal that she was like breastfeeding openly and doing it on the subway in New York wow. oh yeah and she's like go Blossom.
3: her kids yeah I mean
0: in retrospect mm. with Corona we know
1: you probably shouldn't be doing a <laughs> lot of those things on the subway in New York let's be real sure. well, yeah. one
3: last thing is that Maya also is like a like a neuroscientist or something yes. she's yes. like literally like a genius so mm-hmm. she's kind of hitting it I'll just say levels. this
0: she's pretty good for
3: the Jews not to
0: brag <laughs> she is
1: I mean I know her from beaches I'm just saying oh That's my, my god my, yeah everything, mm. everything everything now Lauren I do have to ask you because there yeah. is something that I don't know if the, the guys agree with me, but there's definitely a division between like improv people and stand-up comics. And like you know, Brent and I are both kind of st- well. He's definitely a stand-up. I'm like on the cusp of it. I do both performing and stand-up and stuff. And Elliot sort of does his own thing as well. And it's like there is this. Divide and oftentimes I watch improv, and when it's good, it like when you do it, it's amazing. But when it's bad, it's
0: like the worst rehearsal you've ever seen in your life. Oh God! Like, and, yeah. for, and for what it's worth, he's not just saying it because you're here. It's it's true. You're like you're like We're very you're very like good. In the upper it, echelon. Thank yes.
3: you. I'll take I'll I'll accept that compliment, and I will also yeah. add that bad improv is the worst thing that. Can
1: happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it's almost as worse as, as like bad stand up. I mean, yeah. it's really well, hard to watch.
3: Both are really bad. I think on any given day though if i were to like go out to watch something i would rather watch bad stand up but part of that is because i don't do stand up like i feel like i'm so i'm not really able to be critical in the same way as watching someone do bad improv where i'm like like it's just cringy. It's different when you like do the thing. So because I don't do stand up, I can watch bad stand up and still like appreciate elements of it, or be like, it, it, I don't know. Like it, it feels different to watch it be bad. Like I, I, still like it in some weird way. Like it's like fun to watch it fail, well, or I don't know. Yeah. It's not so personal feeling as I watching bad think Because there,
1: with bad stand up, there is one person on stage climbing him or herself out of a situation that they found themselves in. Whereas with improv. You have people that you can work off of. Why are you so bad?
3: Well, that's what's so crazy about it is that I feel like, and I've definitely been a part of many bad improv shows, and the thing that (laughs) is happening inside of you is like, there's no way to get out of this, even though you're making it up and you could just edit it and, and change the scene, run across the stage, start over again. It doesn't feel possible when it's happening. It feels like you have to push through to find something and get a laugh to end on and you like never will. Like when you're doing it so bad, like when it's going so badly and like everyone hates you in the audience and everyone's like, oh, this is cringy and like I hate this. It's like you have to just struggle harder and it becomes more obvious that you're struggling. Like there's like no... I've like basically it's real
0: mental gymnastics yeah
3: and you never really see people come out of it like in this when when it's going that badly like it's really hard to fix it's nerve wracking yeah and at least with stand up you're like okay that joke really sucked I have another one next that it should be better like see what's
0: what's so fascinating or what's i think super interesting about you is that like you do improv and you do characters and you kind of got into the podcast world through like comedy bang bang and 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 developing that but people also want to hear you just like truly want to like hang out with you and hang like like with newcomers it's like they want to hang out with you and Nicole even though you have like you have a skill set that you can you know you can do as an actress or an improviser but like i think you're the like the sort of um the unicorn where people want to hang out with you oh, and see you perform that's so
3: nice mm. well it's been no, like it's, an, it's been interesting with podcasting because i think when i first started my first the first podcast i hosted was with special guests where it was all in character and it took me a long time to get to the point where I could do a podcast as myself. Like I had to like guest on so many, because like I think doing stand-up, you find your your own voice mm-hmm. more before you know, while you're learning stand-up, you're finding your voice. But with improv, it's like you aren't necessarily doing that if you play a lot of characters. It can be harder to like just be like, and as myself, I'm also able to be interesting or funny. Like it felt like I had to do it under the guise of a character. So I think it took a while for me to feel that way through, like, doing podcasts and, and gain, uh, getting to be a part of the podcast community and getting feedback from people and kind of seeing, like, oh, I could be myself in this arena. And, like, mm-hmm. it makes you feel like uh, comedy can transcend the, like, limits of improv and stand-up and stuff more now that we have I think this. That,
0: yeah, that makes sense to me. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah definitely well anyway thank you so much for being here we yeah, love chatting, we you. Love chatting yeah, with you cool. was so cool.
3: thank you so much Lauren thank
1: you so great I, I mean um, I would say where can people follow you but I feel like we've name dropped everything that people yeah. can <laughs> yeah. follow yeah. you
3: about yeah. well they yeah. should watch my movie on Netflix it comes out May 13th The Wrong Missy it's me and David Spade and oh, oh, it's nice. completely great. insane it's, cool. Cool. it's so great uh, it's literally the most insane movie so please watch it <laughs> thanks <laughs> well thank
1: you so much thanks, Lauren thanks guys Thanks, Lauren.
3: fun <laughs>
2: And another thing. So I thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about coronavirus effect on retail, which is obviously sort of piggybacking on sort of uh, lesbian bars struggling in the coronavirus pandemic quarantine. Everyone knows that like retail companies are starting to kind of buckle uh, or file for bankruptcy protection left and right. And I found out this week that J. Crew, which is where I buy all of my socks, I can't believe you buy your socks there. J. Crew has the the most adorable socks. Um, they have just like, I don't know. I think I bought like socks with like toaster ovens on them or something. I just, they either have great style or like just the right kind of hipster adorable, so I buy I feel my like socks you, there.
1: I feel like you found a shop in like 2001, and you just like stuck with it. Oh, you know like, what? You're a
0: son <laughs> of a bitch, <laughs> Brian. You you were you used to be the like the patron saint of American apparel. I loved American apparel. I yeah. was all about it's all you were. American apparel from like 2005.
1: Did yeah. we go to the downtown place here, this the outlet type place here in LA? I, I, I was there. I so yeah, I think maybe yeah. you and I went, Elliot. Yeah. yeah. But I also have never,
2: American Apparel, I've never been in a store with worse lighting in their dressing rooms <laughs> yes. in my life. Yeah. I looked so bad in those dressing rooms. Yeah, that I whole, couldn't that whole store.
0: That whole store was like basically like they were just like
1: daring you. That, that I couldn't was, fit into anything in that store. Yeah. I never, even, even at my thinnest, I never could fit into anything at that store.
0: Yeah. They like a yeah. They like a European build. Yeah, yeah. They really
2: did. But regardless, um, I guess I was going to ask you. So Neiman Marcus is filing for bankruptcy protection as well. Uh, also, there's a lot of. I mean, obviously, lots of people work in retail. I was reading that one in ten jobs is related to retail. But I feel like a lot of gay guys I know have worked in retail at one point or another. I feel like it's gay. Uh, disproportionate number of gay people work in retail. Um, so it's definitely know. a I retail gonna, gay. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, I've never heard you phrase it that way, but yes, you're right. Uh, but yeah, I guess to, to make it a little lighter, like what stores would you lose your mind if they went out of business? If we lost them during, like like I if hate, there was an Oscars uh, death
0: montage of stores in the mall, which ones would you tear up at? I honestly, I hate, I've become, I've come to really hate shopping at this point. Why? <laughs> I don't know i just I just don't like it. I just don't like it. The only place I like to go a little bit is or was Top man, yeah because I yeah. thought they had they they have uh, honestly, like for me, all I care about are clothes that are like kind of like flattering, but mm-hmm. also like I like a hint of fun, a hint right, a cookie monster <laughs> on the front, yeah, I would think out of out of the three of us, you probably like the most fun in your clothes, yeah. Yeah. Uh maybe that's true, but I still feel like I like a hint of it. I don't know. Mm, but sure. ultimately, like that to me, that means top man. And honestly, like until Alan's boyfriend was like, You really until Michael, Allen's boyfriend, said anything about shopping at Forever Twenty One, I was like, Why not? <laughs> he, but he made it pretty clear about the, you know, the ethics of the company. But mm. are they close too now, right? Uh, yeah, well, they filed for bankruptcy, but they're still
1: open somehow, so I think maybe something happened. I don't know what happened with Forever 21, but mm. but what, what you were referring to is the whole fast fashion conversation yes. of, like, mm. purchasing fast fashion, and that's a whole other episode. Yeah, uh, I mean,
0: I don't know. I just, I mean, for me, like, Top Man it did close, and basically at this point there's only yeah. one, which happens to be left in in L.A., um, because it was bought by Nordstrom. When, uh, Nordstrom, right? I yeah. remember you, yeah. Elliot,
2: you called me crying one day because you had just found out that the store wet seal had gone out of business.
0: <laughs> I know. I was like and devastated that I wasn't, I didn't know where I was going to get my halter tops right. from. Oh <laughs> That's right. What would, what would you be freaked out? Like Alan, where'd you go? Cause you like malls. Like, I oh my do. God. Well, I don't just
1: like malls. I mean, I love malls. I do, but yeah. I love shopping you do in like general. I love I yeah. shopping. Like I I love just in general, it doesn't have to be in a mall. Like if it's yeah. a store, if there's a target or something, I want to be at yeah. that store. It's where I, I go to calm down. I don't even need to buy anything. I, I can know. just look at stuff and it calms me down. And in fact, there is, I remember during chemo, I would often go to target because it, it re, the layout of target reminded me of my home target in St. Louis oh, and, yeah. it, and it, it it felt comforting in a way. And so like, yeah, there's something about shopping and just sort of browsing that makes me feel comfortable. But for me at the mall, what I would be very sad about is Sephora, which poses, Mm. we were talking about this yesterday when we were writing stuff for this episode that like Sephora's, the structure of Sephora's business is going in and sampling a product like on you, you know what I mean? so like, like, I'm not going to spend $40 on like a lipstick or something without seeing what it looks like on my skin. Yep. And yeah. how does Corona change that business model now? Because, mm. like, you are can't people going do that? You can't it, do it
2: now. It, it blows me away because, like, I've met people who will buy furniture, as in couches, online, which, look, God love you. <laughs> do your thing. But I. I I, I'll go into a furniture store. Every couch looks great. Yeah. Every couch looks great. But when you sit on it, most of them suck. And Mm -hmm. everyone knows that finding a couch is like finding a best friend. It like takes a while. It has to be the right proportions. It has to be what you're into. I can't fathom certain types of, um, of retail stores, Mm -hmm. furniture, uh, makeup. I just can't fathom cologne. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah going How could online you? jeans jeans are the hardest thing i know yeah. look maybe i'm a little more particular than some but it takes me like 15 20 different pairs to find a pair of jeans that doesn't make me look like i'm wearing jinkos yeah <laughs> and yeah and i won't do that online unless yeah. i've tried them on some on things, myself i mean
1: i i my, to me the barometer of when i found success in this world is a when i have central air but also b yeah. when i can afford a couch that isn't just for like function. Like I want to afford a yeah. couch that is so comfortable and <laughs> right. that just, it right. just makes me feel good as a person. Um, West other, Elm, baby, West Elm. I know, it's a goal. The the other stores for me that I would be really sad to see go or the Disney store, I, I find that very calming, oddly. Um, yeah. Any major retail store, like luxury brand, like Nordstrom's, I was sad about Neiman Marcus, like mm. walking through a store like that is just very peaceful. I if I was living in the 1950s, I would be one of those ladies who would go to lunch at Macy's or something. Um,
0: oh, and then, have you ever had 40 carrots at Bloomingdale's? Yes
1: I have. Yes oh, I have. I love best. it. Um, and my the biggest one though for me that I always get really excited to visit and Michael hates going with me to mm. is Bath and Body Works. I oh, love man. a Bath and Body oh, Works. Very, very I want to show it off. I want the, the Peach Bellini. Was it the Peach Bellini, oh, Michael? Oh, yeah, want I want that candle. We <laughs> had that candle for a
0: while. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, I love so it. not me. I like my I like, I, I will say that I, in terms of like buying You like candles online, that seem like they're hunting. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like, yeah. I like these like niche either candles that feel like they're like men or candles that smell like (laughs) food. No, niche is code word for expensive. That's what that (laughs) Um, is. I was going to say- No surprise, it's Elliot talking. (laughs) That's right. I almost laughed at myself. I was going to say like, my grandma and I used to eat at Bloomingdale's all the time. Yeah. Um, But I was going to say too, that in terms of buying online, I've actually come to really enjoy ASOS because Mm. their stuff tends to fit me nicely and their return policy is great. And that's Mm. kind of where I'm, I'm at right now.
2: My mom, one of her biggest fears in the world is department stores specifically going out of business because I think, oh. you know, she's of that generation. Which one does she like? She likes them all, but the nicer ones. She, I mean, she yeah. goes into Macy's.
1: I think she would obviously prefer. She has a right to be of, afraid of because like yes. if you <clears throat> understanding the makeup of a department store is really fascinating because it isn't just. You know, the department store has these brands of clothes that they sell at that department store. They're often working with smaller sort of uh, providers that are buying in different areas. And so there's lots of different businesses that come. There are literally hundreds of businesses that come into providing the clothes that exist in that department store. And then those businesses are then getting paid. And it's a whole trickle-down thing. And people don't understand the the -the behind-the-scenes mechanisms of the economic infrastructure of a department store. It's
0: huge. I don't don't know why,
1: but... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, not
2: just that, but also department stores are... Uh, like a lot of retail, but I think department stores in particular are very not profitable per square foot, which is they don't make that much money per square foot, which is a big deal when you have a huge space. You know, you're the anchor of a mall. You're spending Mm -hmm. a lot of money to be there regardless of where that that mall is. And if you're not making as much money as you can with squeezing every dollar out of every square foot,
0: that could be problematic. Uh, Especially when people... Yeah, sorry. Even as, as, Mm -hmm. you know... Uh, jappy, as you might think I, <laughs> I am, my mom like raised us on Marshalls and TJ Maxx and bargain hunting. Yeah. And with that being said, like I like Bloomingdale's, but I've always been intimidated by like Neiman Marcus or or any other higher okay. end department store. And so even in Bloomingdale's, I'm just horrified by the prices. But I guess my eternal struggle is I just need to. I would de- be devastated if there was a place that closed that made. The perfect T-shirts. Mm. And I know Brent went through that with American Apparel because those, mm. those were perfect for you.
1: Wait, wait,
2: wait. Did I've never found say, a perfect
0: T-shirt. Did
2: you just say you were intimidated by the prices of Bloomingdale's? <laughs> this from a guy who pays people to buy him cars. Mm-hmm. This guy, this you from guy a guy who says he has buy you multiple buy a car. car.
0: Multiple pianos Uh, at his apartment. I don't pay. I didn't pay anybody. You You paid someone. No, I didn't. There was a service. Someone benefited off that guy shopping for
1: that car for you. I don't think. I don't think department stores will ever. Well, maybe maybe they will. I guess my my guess is they won't all disappear. But one thing that I've been noticing, having being a very (laughs) frequent person who goes to the mall, is that a lot of malls are doing sort of pop up shop things where they take over a large space, for example, the top man, top shop space at the, uh, at the Americana in, in Los Angeles here. And that went out of business, you know, and then one month, like good American jeans came in and they like took it over for the month and you would go there and buy jeans. I love those jeans. And then, and Halloween USA. Well, Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, that's what I mean. They come in, they rent it for a month and it creates this buzz and excitement and a lot of people coming for that one month of shopping and then it's gone. And it's I like, actually I can see that being a, a model for malls in the future i yeah I do too. Uh, I actually
2: was this is, i normally don 't like brag about investing money or whatever, but I was a part of uh, a venture I invested in a Halloween USA that was only open from January until <laughs> August uh, this was a couple of years ago. I Lost oh a lot god. of money that time because uh. I only lost money because retail has been sinking. It's been going down. For oh so my long. god!
0: Mm-hmm. So, Have you yeah. guys ever? Just one more question about retail. Have any of you guys ever shopped at the Gap? Oh, yeah.
2: oh, I, oh, I put The Gap on my thing. The Gap uh, the Gap was one of these... Oh, sorry, I'll let you tell your story, but I was going to say The Gap's one of these stores that I I do actually buy things there occasionally. I have no... Um, I don't think they're particularly good or uh, fashionable, but it's, it's this weird company where I would be sad if The Gap went out of business. Yeah, I have no... It's, I don't know. It's just
0: like grandfathered into my life as like a store that it should exist for always. I don't, yeah, I don't have a read on it. I just... I have no read on what their brand is. I mean, they used to be like—I guess they were like cool when we were young, and like Uh, yeah, like it was like a very like early '90s like kind of cool brand to to wear. Um, And like yeah, yeah, and now I I don't I don't know what that. I just think of like it just makes me think of like boy bands. I don't know. Um, I have a feeling that a lot of like straight dude shop at the Gap, but also
1: like. The gap's mm-hmm. good for like denim and like a lot of like lady wear shit and like flowy. I
0: think their denim is like, blank, like, kind of like, I guess, I feel like it's like for just straight men. Oh, bite your tongue. I buy jeans from the gap, you <laughs> son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had a coat from the gap, a denim coat from the gap. That Wait, I
0: Alan, what did you say? What would be the. What would be the most devastating store that closed for you, clothes wise? Oh, clothes wise? Yeah, well, clothes
1: wise. See, I'm a weird, because I don't shop like clothes like you guys do, I, I, where you have very specific places you go and things. I will experiment with clothes and I will try different places and do different things. And like, I'm not wed to any clothing provider, um, but I do. I don't know. Michael makes so much of my clothes. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's I mean, lucky. like I, 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 like I wear, I wear a lot of like bodysuits and like overalls and shit, and like yeah. so, I, I just buy them until they run out, and then I find another pair somewhere. You know, yeah. you though, I think, I think
2: like uh, a store like Target. If Target ever went out it, of business, yes. which I don't think would, because it sort of straddles the line between, you know. Uh, Kind of clothing, but also mostly just kind of groceries and like house necessities. I would genuinely be
1: very. Upset. I would say so, I would say Target too because Target very is good, sad good for like sweats and just hiking they stuff do. and like this good stuff. just good general shit great, that just great, yeah.
0: Oh, uh, my socks and underwear come from there yeah. I'd be remiss if I left out Zara That's a, late, <laughs> a, a later A later in life later um, development, A later in life uh, uh, Discovery for me well, that I thought Zara was just for women You it and Michael Me too
1: You and Michael can go into Zara together because every time We fucking go to the mall he wants to go To Zara <laughs> and even though we were just At the mall two days ago in the same Zara He looked at the same shit I don't want to go <laughs> yeah. Wait wait wait, wait. <laughs> you, you guys want to go in
2: you went to the Zara two days ago.
1: No, I'm saying like two in, days ge- in like a row. when we oh, could, oh, yeah, when yeah, yeah, we yeah. could. Yeah, 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 right. He loves going to Zara and just looking at the clothes, and I do too. But it has to be new shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the mm-hmm. good news
0: is that of uh, uh, literally of every store out there, somehow, as always, Aeropostale will just <laughs> keep on keeping on because that thing <laughs> never goes away, it's and, true. and it never should. It's true. <laughs> What would, uh, your would your aunt, aunt say? Uh, Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast?
2: I would lose my mind if Hot Topic went under. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> See, I was going to say, Aunt Joanne would say, if you told me Talbots was going to close, I-, I don't know what I would do.
1: <laughs> my my Aunt Anne would go also be along the same lines of retail and would say, I, I just... I cannot live without the Hallmark store. I don't know what I would do without my <laughs> Precious Moments figurines. I can't, they give me joy, they're life. I don't,
0: I can't, I don't know. Oh God, all of our aunts. I know. <laughs> Lost in the so, capitalism of it so, all. So suburban. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott.
1: bang, 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 right. bang, cool. bang.